Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. This episode is sponsored by Happy Fox Health, a natural supplement brand focused on CMOS, a marine algae that has 92 out of 102 essential nutrients that your body needs to thrive and regenerate. I've used a number of their products and found it's really given me clarity of mind. Visit happyfoxhealth.com and use promo code THECRAFT for an exclusive 15-20% to 20% discount off your first product purchase. Nat Tercini is an open book, and it's refreshing. A longtime retail veteran, she's been running Gravity Pope tailored goods for more than a decade, bringing her warmth and impeccable taste to the shop, her clients, and the community. She was born and raised in Toronto, in a family that is Italian in every sense of the word, tight-knit, and led by strong females. Both her grandmothers, or nonas, lived long lives and were the matriarchs of the roost. Nat spent a lot of time with them as a child. In her teens, she would buy vintage clothing by the pound at Value Village because it was an affordable way to be experimental. Her dream was to one day open her own shop, so she pursued her retail management degree after trying photography and finding it didn't suit her. During school, she also had a retail job, juggling it with stints at nightclubs, marking the start of her long career in fashion. A short-lived job at Aritzia's head office brought her out west before heading over to Gravity Pope in 2016. In this conversation, we explore the genesis of her work ethic in relation to parental pride and approval, memories of watching her Nona's cook meals in their basement kitchens, how working high-level retail and in nightclubs during university helped her come out of her shell, how asking questions allowed Nat to develop real relationships with her loyal clientele, how she leads her young shop team with openness and what she's learned from this next generation, teaching her young son about women, emotions, empathy, and compassion, what she hopes for herself, and more. Please enjoy this intimate conversation with the wise, honest, and welcoming Nat Tersini. Nat Tresini. Hi. Hi, welcome to The Craft. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm really stoked to be here. Yes, thank you for being here. I'm super excited because I know we were trying to make this happen for a number of months yeah. almost. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm glad it, it aligned finally. Yeah, me too. I was thinking about how we first met mm-hmm. and you and I have a ton of mutual friends, so so there's that. Yeah. Um, but I think where we really started to connect a little bit more deeply was me coming into Gravity Pope. T- tailored goods mm-hmm. um, every few months because you guys carried a certain yeah. Malin and Getz item that and you are one of many <laughs> I have many clients that I see one every couple of months to read yeah, their to re- so it's a relationship builder for sure yeah, yeah. it totally yeah, is yeah. so I'm, I'm glad that you know I got to, yeah, to see you too. on those occasions I'm glad your armpits needed me I know they really did they really did um but anyways, you know, we had dinner the other night and you were saying to me that you are not a small talker and no. neither am I. So I'm excited for this deep dive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's let's go back in time. Let's go back to Toronto. You were born and raised there. Yeah, born and raised in Toronto a long time ago. Um, yeah, I feel like I grew up in a pretty typical, you know, my parents, my bro, we went to... Uh, you know, lived with our grandparents for a short amount of time. Like we are, we grew up Italian Canadian or Canadian Italian. So looking back, we had a pretty quintessential upbringing that way, sort of our relationships with our families and our grandparents and their involvement in our lives. And that was, it's nice to look back on that now. You Mm -hmm. learn a lot after the fact when you're sort of raising your own kids on how you were brought up and the morals and values and kind of the, also the weird nuances of, you know, that nationality, mm. <laughs> you know. What are what are some of the nuances? Well, you know, nieces? just like the guilt. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Roman Catholic guilt. The guilt that comes with growing up. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of similar cultures that have that same sort of, but I think that also is kept me from sort of, not pushing hard to keep working and working hard and 
you know, when I moved to Vancouver, I kind of could have just couch surfed and not worked really hard. But there was always that sense. It's sort of a subconscious fear of your parents that mm. makes you work hard. And I think that's good. You know, I kind of, I'm not afraid of my parents. I love my parents very much. But there's also, you know, wanting to please them and wanting to be sort of have them look and be proud of you that makes you work hard so mm. I resonate sort of, with that yeah right lot. I'm sure you mm-hmm. do yeah mm-hmm. I'm sure and I think a lot of people that I surround myself with have that same sort of mentality so it was during it you don't know what's happening until you look back and you're like wow I could have done nothing with myself but I feel I mean not to say that I'm you know top 40 over 40 but you know just always kind of working hard and then looking at your life now and thinking yeah I did this and Mm. parents looking at you and saying they're proud of you is a big it's a big deal even when you're an adult yes I mean we carry that all the way to our our later years yeah is to hear those those words Mm -hmm. I'm I'm proud Mm -hmm. Uh, paint a picture of your parents for me um Anna and Rocco uh they are interestingly like now when I look at them they've spent through um, you know two and a half years together and they still get along they still like each other you know my mom's a strong female role model in my life she always has been really sort of static and I can always rely on her my dad too he's just he always sort of represented the things like he valued family and food and he's a hard-working guy so they were just good they were just good steady role models have been super super supportive and for sure have we've become more friends as we get older we share a lot they've been there for me through very dark times so I'm always forever grateful Mm. and like knowing things about them that make them people and not just parents you know so I think that's important when also when you get older when you start to see your parents with everything their flaws and their the things about them that aren't just mom and dad you know yeah you and know? it allows you to give them to have a little bit more compassion for yeah. maybe the things that you didn't agree with when you were growing for sure up. for sure mm. and it helps you sort of understand your own self and what you do and what you value and stuff so yeah I'm glad that we've gotten to this point I miss them because you know the pandemic has really I didn't yeah. want to really talk about that thing that much but it's really made it hard for a lot of people a lot of families mm. mm-hmm you mentioned your grandparents. Were they around a lot? Mm-hmm. And did you have really close relationships with them? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My grandmothers were both the matriarchs, obviously. You know, we if you could paint that very stereotypical Italian household, both of my grandparents had that. Both of my grandfathers died in their 70s of cancer, unfortunately, but my grandmothers kept trudging on. And so we just... My parents were both middle children of each of those. So they just were big caregivers for their moms. And so just by default, we were a big part of my brother and I were a big part of their lives too, but my cousins too. Like it was, we have a good close family. And yeah, my grandmother is like, they were Vincenza and Luigina. Like great names. Yeah, they're pretty epic. Like they, they could cook and. They had the, you know, the basement kitchens and they did the sauce and the sugo and the, it was just pretty, you know, and they both had their niche, like one made arancini, actually it's not called arancini from where we come from, it's called supli, it's like the little rice balls that everyone loves, but we're Roman, so they're called supli, and then the other grandmother just, you know, I was talking to a chef friend of mine the other day and I said, I'm spoiled because I was raised with just you know mouth-watering meals that were just regular they were just like regular meals like I would go visit my grandmother when I'd come to Toronto and she would just lay it all out like the link you know linguine and and bread and the, the broccolini and it was just endless did you have a favorite meal yeah her tomato sauce mm. it's un- it was nobody could do it I was actually supposed to take on the responsibility of learning how to make it because I was the only girl in the family. So there were 75 years of men and then me, and then beyond me was all boys. So I was responsible to be able to recreate this sauce. So I apologize to all the Tresini boys, (laughs) but once I went over and sort of 
interviewed my grandmother and wrote everything down. And it wasn't like she was going to the store buying San Marzano tomatoes like everyone thinks that you have to. She was going to the local grocery store and buying Unico. She mm. was on, a, you know, a pension, you know. So it was like wasn't the craziest ingredients. It was just the way she did it and put it together. You know, the different kinds of meats and the thing. and the and the love. The lo- I mean, that was a love. given, That's yeah. The... So we would go over, and my brother and I would go to the... She had a little drawer in her kitchen where she kept the bread, and we would tear off a piece and put the sugo in a bowl even before dinner, and we would just scoop it into our mouths. That I sounds know. amazing. I know. Mm. I was going to ask you if it's kind of tradition that the grandmothers pass their cooking skills down onto the daughter and then the granddaughter but my dad's a good cook that was oh. his mom not to say that my other grandmother wasn't a good cook Nona Gina but Donna Vincenza just had like this thing about her sauce there was a flavor to it it was so consistent and she used to pull out all the any kind of greens because when we were little kids no little kid liked any green stuff in there and she would take it all out so it was just this beautiful deep red with a layer of oil on top that was dark orange we used to call it kunj Mm. and that was just the oil Mm. and she would use that sauce for her lasagna and it was just yeah my mouth is watering yeah i didn't have breakfast right now now. (laughs) i could use some bread and sauce (laughs) totally what were you like as a kid i was really shy i was super shy like now thinking about how I'm not shy, but also seeing my son and sort of seeing his shyness, but that he's not always that. He's quite, um, what's the word? He's quite shy, but then he's quite an extrovert at the same time. Oh, we he were likes talking to about around this. people. Yeah, yeah, so I was really shy. Ambivert. Had, yeah, exactly. So I had an older brother who was really outgoing all the time and still is. And so I kind of just hung out behind him and was really quiet. And then I just sort of had to grow into myself and found a voice and here I am Mm. yeah yeah and I I read somewhere that growing up you would go to the value village in Toronto and you would buy clothes by the pound yeah I'm so curious to know where where and and why you were drawn to fashion and vintage and Um, just clothing in general I don't know what started it I remember when I was a little kid, I made a dress for like a Cabbage Patch Kid and it was, you know, I cut it up and it looked like kind of punk, but, and then I just started dressing secondhand because it was cheap and I liked the idea of it and I liked, you know, what you could get out of a bag of clothing. My mom hated it, but, you know, because it was kind of gross, but yeah, that was fun and I was really experimental and I didn't necessarily want to go into fashion right away. It wasn't my sort of first love and so when I started when I went to university I applied to the retail management program at Ryerson because my dream was to open my own shop and I wanted to go with a little bit of education so I knew all the sort of ins and outs and that program originally had started with a more fashion focus before I started, though, they changed it, and it was a little bit more commerce, which I'm cool with. I'm fine. I just, all the projects I applied were in a fashion perspective. Like, it, you know, when you were talking about doing a business plan, it was applied to the store that I wanted to open or so on and so forth. So it was a good experience. I really liked Ryerson. I thought it was a good school. Sorry, not Ryerson. University X, I think it's called. No. City Universe, what's it called now? Oh, I don't know. It, they changed the name, and I'm yeah. really excited about that. So I'm going to get a new degree with the new name, but I can't remember what, the, what they changed it to. Anyway, they've changed it. So now University X, with its new name, that's where I attended. So, yeah, and that was good. What you said that fashion wasn't your first love. Was there a first love? That- I wanted to study photography, and I did. I went to Humber, and just it didn't click. So I took a year off and sort of, you know, farted around and tried to figure it out and then applied to Ryers mm. University X. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then um, f- did that for four years. But I worked the whole time quite a bit. So I was working in retail for sort of the top in Toronto, which was the Corbo group. And I they've now dissolved into three different stores. But at the time, it was one trio of retailers and they were from the 80s and they worked in 
high-end fashion. So they came with this really high level of retail and really boutique style. It was quite amazing to be around and sort of I take that mentality with me in my own job now. But um, I worked with them and I worked a lot of nightclubs. So it was sort of a balance between working at night, working during the day, going to school. It was a lot. Did it help you kind of come out of your shell yeah, for as sure. well? For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. You're interacting with so many yeah. people and yeah. Yeah, having to have conversations yeah, with Yeah, totally, kinds. with strangers, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I started, I think I was probably 18 or 19 when I started, when I was legal, I guess, to start working in nightclubs. Yeah. And I was in school when I was 19. So it was a lot. I was working all the time, going to school. So everything was, you know, a balance to a certain degree. Did you like the nightclub scene? Yeah, I did. I loved it. It was, uh, I did a sort of worked for a nightclub family, and I worked administrative for them, Saturday nights for them and then I worked I did my own little thing on the side worked with some DJ friends and threw a little party on the side and you know it was kind of a mishmash of everything Mm. it was fun and then what brought you out here was getting a job at Aritzia so that was the thing that brought you here yeah but other things made you stay yeah for sure Mm -hmm. so I got a job after I graduated I had a friend who was working at Aritzia and they flew me out for the day, interviewed, took the job, moved out here in 06, and that didn't work. And I started working with Gravity Pope in June of 06. I know, and then, yeah, we had, I ended up staying, and you know, life offered me all different opportunities, and now I'm here, and it's been, I don't know, what year are we in, 2022? Yeah, it's yeah. been way over a decade yeah. that you've been oh, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, um, you said that I read somewhere that you said you were a really loyal person and um, you felt like also that the company is really good to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. I think I mean, I've grown up with the company and I, I always tell Louise, the owner, that I feel like the store that I run is my store. It's my baby. I treat it like it's mine. And I think she values that I would you know, I do whatever I can in its best interest. But they've given me an opportunity to be totally myself and my staff get to be themselves. And so that's, it's just through this pandemic for sure, I've leaned on my store for support. The clients that we have are no longer clients, they're friends. We've gone through so much together that it's every day we go into work and everybody that comes through, it's a first name basis, it's a hangout rather than a work thing. And we just happen to sell really beautiful clothes and that while we're working together. So it's just been a really nice place to be myself every day of the week. Yeah, and you're a little bit like a maitre d' to your clients. You you know you know who they are. You know little details about them, their likes and their dislikes. You know where to show them mm-hmm. things in this in the shop. What do you love most about your clients? Just how dynamic they are. Uh, you know, I have the most amazing clients. Whether it's you know the woman that has three kids and is doing you know head mind-boggling raising three kids or the the chef who's running a couple restaurants or the head of addiction at you know that hospital royal columbia hospital in new west or you know the woman that owns the only bookstore in jordan is one of my clients and it's like when they start to share these things about them they're no longer just a person coming into the store looking for jeans you know they get an opportunity to share a part of their lives which I never want to take advantage of you know I think it's a really intimate special thing that every day I get to go into work and every day I'm surprised and impressed and and just I admire a lot of these people it's just it's amazing to to be in the presence of these people but at the same time never feel less than them they always do this amazing thing our relationship keeps us at the same place you know they they come with their insecurities they come with vulnerability they come you know these high level professionals come into the shop and they share with you what bugs them about themselves what they need from you and they value they respect your opinion and your guidance and it's really nice and then there's new people that you meet all the time People come into the shop from out of town. I love, it's my favorite thing to start sending people where to eat, where to go, where not to go, you know? Like that's 
sort of my other favorite thing to do is connect people with cool stuff in the city and I'm lucky too because I have a lot of friends that do cool stuff so it's always nice to support friends just by default so and I'm glad that we are getting more tourists in the shop so it's fun to have a, lo- a list of where they should go in which neighborhood so mm. yeah I might you know want to point out that you know I, I love hearing you talk about your clients but there definitely must be something about you that allows them to do that and I'm curious to know what you feel your strengths are when I'm it nosy. comes to mm. I'm nosy. I like to I ask a lot of questions of people and I like to know the weird like if you had to take a new job let's say the questions that I would ask you wouldn't just be about the job but it would be more so how you would get to work and how what time you would leave in the morning and what your office would be like and what your date you know it would be those questions that you wouldn't really think about talking about I like to know the logistics of your life and the intricacies so I think it's the constant asking asking questions of people that people want to share more Mm -hmm. I like to hear about again like I don't like small talk and I think people don't I think most people don't like small talk but they don't know that they don't like small talk so the customers that started as kind of private people are now the people that are that overshare with me and I like oversharing I think it's I mean to a maybe to a fault sometimes but I think that's what gets people to confide in me is sort of giving them your attention asking a lot of questions and listening to them and empathizing with them and sharing with them so if if someone's talking to me and I'm just standing there saying yes 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 if I'm sharing back to things about me that they can relate to I think it just lets people's guard down and they know that they can talk about things safely and freely 100% with no judgment yeah and the fact that you're just curious in the first place because I mean how many conversations have you had with people where you're like oh you're not even looking at me right now no and uh, 99% of my clients are really engaged and I like also to be shocked by things I love to say what like (laughs) I love that. I love it when people say something and you can't believe that they did that or said that or, you know, so, and I think like people like to shock you as well. So Mm. I just, I like talking. I like people. I like talking and I like fashion. So it kind of worked in my favor to have a job like this. I'm curious to know where your curiosity for the intricacies and logistics came from. I think it, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's like a mapping thing. It's knowing where you're going all the time. Maybe that's, you know, when somebody is talking to me about where their kid goes to daycare. I, my first question is, well, how, like, what time do you have to leave to get them there? Do you take them the hours that they're there? And it's the stuff that they might have planned out and might have taken them a long time to plan out, but they never told anybody. And I think when I make a plan, I'm so proud of that plan. When I go away on vacation, I have a, a plan, you know? I'm not, cr- I'm not a crazy planner, but I, I say, okay, we can do this first and then we'll do this and then, do this, you know, and I get really excited if a plan sticks. So I get excited for people if they don't have to double back or if their partner can drop the child off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and they get Fridays. That excites me. I don't know. It's weird. It's Maybe I need some another hobby or something, but I really like that. Oh, we all have our things. Yeah, it's you know? just that just you it's know, just it's a just, thing. Yeah, it's part of you. This is what you're you yeah. want to know. I love those things. Like, mm. which how do you get to work in the morning? Mm. Which route do you take? I maybe that's from my dad though, because we have a lot of conversations about what route to take. <laughs> is it a choice thing? Like how many choices, like how Maybe. many ways can we get there? Maybe. What's the fastest way? What's the most economic way? I mean, with gas being such a thing, <laughs> I'm also really crazy about gas. Now I've given up because it's impossible, but finding the cheapest gas, even if it's a three cent thing, mm. even my son, he's like, you saved how much? And I said a dollar sixty. He's like, what are you going to buy with that? I'm like, I don't know, nothing. Maybe a popsicle. <laughs> I but I saved a it. I'm, a, I'm an optimum points freak. It's becoming a problem. <laughs> I spent an entire dinner out socially talking about it and needed to leave to ensure that I was at Shoppers before midnight and the <laughs> offer of 35000 
optimum points ended. I love getting free shit. So I'm all about optimum points. That's my new thing. <laughs> it's like only getting gas at Esso. I feel like I work for them right now. Only getting gas at Esso, only going to Superstore. It's just, it's a thing. I love it. Mm. I'm curious about retail experiences. For you, what makes an exceptional store setup and experience? I mean, ideally, space is nice, but we all know my store is like a little closet full of clothing, which I think people, most people appreciate that because there's so much to choose from. But I mean, ideally, I don't know. I, I think I like a busy environment. I like being busy. I like juggling a lot of people. I see myself as I get older, I see myself as less not worrying so much about the way people see me and more so I can be a little bit bossy too in the store. So telling people what to do, what to try on, what to wear, what to, you know, don't know that doesn't, you know, and not worrying so much about if they think that I'm rude, rather they know me and they know I'm just, that's just the nature of the way I am. I, I, I see myself as sort of this like, old Italian lady who's running around the store. My staff, they're amazing. They even know, they can know what I'm thinking. I'll call things out and they're just, you know, they know what to grab. It's just, it's a nice place to work. I've got an amazing team of people that I work alongside, not over in any way, shape or form. They've pretty much got it covered without me, but they kind of allow me to go in and just do what I like to do best, which is sell and be with people. And how you have know? you evolved as a leader over the years? I don't know. I mean, maybe they can speak to that rather than me, but I, I've i always sort of, my mandate has always been just set an example, work hard. You know, as a parent and as a manager, I've, I think that if you just are constantly working hard and setting a good example and not do as I say, say as, what is it? do as I say you know when you do yeah Yeah. but not telling people how to do things just also doing them yourself you know not setting up guidelines and I do break rules here and there but you know but at the end of the day I just I always introduce my clients to my staff I think I employ people who are like-minded who value service and value respecting people and being professional but not being bland or you know money driven because that's not really the way our store is I think we just we all connect to different people in a different way Mm. you know there's definitely people that have have become closer to my employees than me which I I think is amazing to see because I want to be able to There was a while there where I couldn't let go of my shop because it was my baby, but I feel as my own baby is growing up, I want to focus on him too. So I think setting up the store with strong people to take over with the same love that I've given it for over six, I think it'll be 16 years in June. Mm. You know, I, I can't just walk away not feeling confident that it's being taken care of. And I was able to do that when I took mat leave. I had a really great team that took over and I'm still reminded about how great they were. And I have another great team and it just will allow me to sort of take a step back and evaluate where I'm moving into the company. And I think it's, it's sort of organically happening Mm. where I've got these awesome, awesome, you know, teammates that are going to sort of let me take the bench for a little Mm -hmm. bit, but not too much, you know, but maybe just come in and like mess up stuff a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And see what they do with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious to know what you've learned from, from your team who are of the next generation. They don't take shit for sure. They, am I allowed to say that? Yeah. There's lots, been lots of swearing. Um, Yeah, yeah. They don't, they don't take shit. They're, they don't take shit and they they want what they want and it's it is admirable because I know maybe our generation sort of complained about stuff a lot but never really did anything about it they're more so vocal about their dissatisfaction on stuff and that's quite impressive I think I've 
recently hired some really young staff and the work ethic is amazing. I mean, maybe it's specific to them, maybe it's their parents, but who knows, but it's just, I'm always just shocked at, you know, the manners, I, I value manners. I think that old school manners are really important. They're funny, I appreciate humor and sarcasm. They're emotional and they like to share their emotion and they're empathetic and they go out of their way to make the clients feel at home just like I did. So that's really important to me. They're just awesome. They're awesome. If you're listening, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're just, they work hard and they get excited. And now that the pandemic's done, I we're trying to spend it and it's happening. Like we're spending more time together and they're spending more time together. So that was always important to me is to have a relationship and a friendship with them outside of work. And I've always said to them, you know, you don't, you don't have to leave your personal life at the door. You know, I'm not that kind of person. I, I, if you had a problem and I couldn't help you with it, I would, I would be frustrated. I would be disappointed, especially cause you're my work family. We spend so much time together. So yeah, I think we've got a pretty good thing right now I really still after this long I get excited to get up and go to work that's a nice feeling it's crazy to say can say that it's crazy to say yeah no at 7 30 I'm dragging my ass but when I'm at work and I open the shop door like I've done a hundred thousand times I'm excited to be there you know I don't just sell clothes for a living I have built the most amazing friendships and relationships I've learned so much and there's just so much more to learn you know gravity pope We've been around for 30 years, but I feel like we still have so much to do, and I'm excited. I feel like I'm interviewing for a job right now, but <laughs> I'm excited to be a part of it and to be part of sort of one of the people that's been with it through a long time. I've made some really long-time friendships from this shop, people that I met at the very beginning, and I value that. I think it's important. The people that have worked for me, I'm still friends with, you know, weddings and babies and, you know, a whole list of things that I've got to be a part of, of people that used to work with me at the shop. It's amazing. So mm. relationships are everything in this yeah, life. Totally. And you and I were talking about that at dinner the other night. Yeah. And it's just it's the whole reason for, for being is is the connection yeah. that you have with others. Um I wanted to ask about um your son. Mm-hmm. And after becoming a mother to your son in what ways did you grow and in what ways were you challenged? I mean, it's almost like I imagined him before he was born. He's kind of, I don't know, it's, he's pushed me into being just tougher and more clear, you know, I, and to just be really honest about how I'm feeling and to be straight with, you know, not to be, I don't know. I don't know. And it's just because we're just, it's just us. We, our relationship can be, can differ in the way that we talk to each other. And I said to him last night, I said, you don't have to tell me everything. You don't have to tell me everything you do. You don't have to tell me everywhere you've went. I just want to know that you're being honest with me about your feelings. I want you to be feel safe with me to talk to me about how you're feeling about stuff. You know, at school, in your personal life, um, he's slowed me down, made me really value being at home. He's a homebody. So he has really made me appreciate being at home because he loves being at home. And so home is sort of him and where we are it's oh he's a pretty special kid I care about him a lot I like him 99% of the time <laughs> well I just met him for the first yeah, time and he's, he's sitting outside of the podcast yeah. studio right now he's but like, I want to talk I was like I don't think you're gonna be a part of it yeah he was pretty stoked to be able to use his iPad for an hour so he's happy yeah yeah no he does have a, a nice energy about him yeah he's he's been known to be quite shy but when once he opens up He's just, you know, jokes and funny and kind of goofy and it's nonstop. Like from the second he wakes up, he is nonstop, constantly, like constantly trying to make me laugh, mm. which I love about him. Like today, 
<laughs> he took a piece of bread and put it on the counter and just let it fall over and thought <laughs> that like was a tower like just wing. yeah like just fell over it. and the noise that it made was the funniest thing and then he asked me why I laughed at that and I just thought it was cute that he was just trying to make me laugh with the silliest thing mm. so what was like, your answer to that why you I, laughed at I don't it? know it's a piece of toast like what do you want me to say but we have we have fun together we have a good time so I'm excited for the summer and again going back to my team having a great team to allow me to sort of take a break and my company's really supportive of me you know taking a little bit of time off here and there just to you know do things and hang out and go to the park and because there are long hours at the store sometimes yeah yeah we I do pretty long hours but it never really feels like it it feels like it a little bit more now that I'm older but mm-hmm, I right, sit all the more standing. yeah <laughs> I sit a, a lot, lot of more. being on your feet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um what do you hope for for him you know I, I did read somewhere that you said something about creating a nice peaceful home for him but what else do you hope for I hope that he just gets ample opportunities to do the things that he likes you know I I hope that he gets to travel I hope that he gets to see all his families everywhere he's got family in San Francisco he's got family in Hong Kong he's got family in Italy he's got family in Toronto like I think it would be amazing if he could see all of those places I I hope that he is a confident kid I hope that he doesn't get led astray I hope that and I hope that is sort of the responsibility of his parents to make sure that he feels strong and confident and knows what he wants knows what he doesn't want and I think it's hard in school you know when you want to be a part of something and even if it's not a good thing so I just hope that he feels that he can rely on us and come to us when he's feeling nervous or scared to be honest with us I mean I know he's honest with me about a lot of things that I don't want to hear but mm. <laughs> more so about you know like the wrinkles on my forehead <laughs> or the size of my butt <laughs> You're like okay well yeah, that kind but of I'm like, okay but I am uh, encouraging honesty but maybe I'm gonna draw the line at that okay yes but yeah he's cool he's a cool kid and I just I just want to keep you know I don't want to push him because I know parents when they want their kids it's almost like you want your kid to be the kid that you weren't or you want to be your kid to be the kid that you imagine them to be and so you get frustrated when they're not whether they do something stupid or they act a certain way or they're not friendly enough or whatever you kind of have to let those expectations go and not pressure your kid to be you know you have to encourage your kid to be polite and say hello and all that stuff but then at the end of the day you also have to set that example on your own. Mm. You have to be like that. You know, he says to me, you say hi to everybody. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because I like, even strangers, I like, I, I feel like it's important to share a positive experience, even if it's someone on the street, you know. So slowly I've learned, and clothing is a big one, because, of course, when you, you know, when you value style and fashion and you have a child, you think, oh, my God get totally dressed as kid and then and then all of a sudden they get an opinion of their own and I had to bribe him today to wear jeans <laughs> what does he usually pick jogging pants like every oh. kid you know, jogging <laughs> pants would I would wear jogging pants too I guess if I could every day but so I've learned to let him have his own opinion and then I think that as he gets older it will you know it will turn into something that we can do together I think just having an opinion is good enough whether or not it's not we don't agree on it I think that we can we'll find a happy place right what his style I don't think it sounds like I'm being a little bit overbearing but you know you want your kid to look good and he's so cute so yeah and you you know what just in terms of him having an opinion it's it's good that you're teaching him how to have healthy discourse Mm -hmm. and healthy discourse means that you're going to have a different opinion, he may have a different mm-hmm. opinion, and then you need to be able to talk it out. We're also learning about negotiation, mm. <laughs> about, you know, bribes, that too, you know. <laughs> what do you teach him about negotiation? Well, you know, negotiating. Like, if you wear those to dinner, then we can take the car instead of the bike, mm. you know? Or I guess that's 
more of a bribe. Today was a bribe. <laughs> Yesterday was a negotiation, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just wants jeans to be lined in jogging pant material. <laughs> I mean, I would right? too. And so I don't, I've worked hard to sort of source different cool 100% cotton jeans for him from around the world. So he has all these really nice fitting jeans that he won't wear because they feel like denim on the inside mm. but i won't buy him those slim fitting boys stretchy jeans because i just don't like them so he we're kind of stuck with so i'm thinking maybe i should just get them all lined in like a cotton jersey there you go and like make See? a new business you're, out of it you're I'm a solution you're solutions oriented yeah <laughs> well what do you hope for for yourself oof that's a big one. I was thinking about just having this conversation, and I was thinking about that. I've stopped making big plans. I've stopped. I know that you're supposed to imagine and visualize yourself in the future, but lately I've just been trying to get every week feels like, okay, another week, another week. I don't know why. Maybe that doesn't sound so promising, but for me, I just want to, I want to be in a place, I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place. I'm in a place where I feel, you know, confident as a woman. I feel good. I feel, like, happy at my job. I have a really amazing group of friends that are family. They're, it's not friends. They're family. They're, like, a support group that I couldn't have asked for better human beings to surround me. I have an amazing family. You know, my job has so much. I can turn my job into something more you know, my company is supportive of me. So it's just a, it's just like letting the universe sort of figure it out, I think. I mean, I'd love to be able to travel more. I'd love to win a million dollars, but I don't play the lottery, so that probably wouldn't happen. <laughs> you know, I'd love, but I'm just kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be unrealistic about my life. I think letting, again, like putting your expectations away not making them too high keeps mm. you happy with the day-to-day. -day. You know, mm. I'm happy where I'm at. Happy being like a loose word. Not every day. Every day is something different, you know. Some days you wish you owned a house or had a different car or, you know, had a different job. But if you can't, you just have to be sort of content with what you have because you, then you miss it. Mm. If you're constantly looking to the future, you miss what's going on around you. You know, like you're, you're scheduling forward, forward, forward. You want this, you want that. But at this, I just want to really, you know, resonate on what I have right now. And I do. I, you know, a barbecue, a nice lunch, a good dinner, you know, a pool swim. I'm stoked on those little things. Yeah. You know, I don't. Little pleasures. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. I'd love to be in the south of France right now, but <laughs> it's not happening. Maybe but I'm here with day. you guys and I'm stoked. <laughs> Yeah. I know. I'm yeah. I'm very excited about yeah. this moment right now. Um, the a word that I I've heard you say a number of times in this conversation is is values, like mm -hmm. the, the values at your store, the values that your your parents taught you. So I'd love to hear from you what, yeah, what your moral compass of values are. And you did mention being um, having manners, but yeah. are there a couple that you like? that are your values that you, you really, really stick to and have your entire life? My biggest thing, I think, it, are relationships and, and putting value on the people that you surround yourself with, the people that I surround my son with, making sure that my door is open to them and vice versa. I sort of grew up in a household where our friends as kids were always at our house, you know? So the idea of... And then sometimes they'd stay for dinner and... You know, my parents now, they live in Toronto and friends that I've developed here will go and visit my parents in Toronto. And when they come here, they'll go to their houses for dinner and or have become friends with friends here. And that's valuable to me is constantly I if going back to your question about where I want to see myself is a, a house full of people, you know, every Monday night spending it with a certain family and the kids playing and in the kitchen and cooking and making a mess and talking and drinking like that is how I was raised. And it's been challenging in so many ways to have 
been isolated from people because because I learned that I am a true extrovert, that I need, not need, but my energy needs to be revitalized by other people. Whether they're, you know, fighting or in a bad mood or there's problems going on, there's just something about being surrounded by people that keeps me going. And so the pandemic has just been a drag because yeah, no doubt I liked a few nights in watching Netflix and stuff, but it's been hard and so it's nice to know that we can let it da- let our guard down just a little bit now moving forward mm-hmm. I mean I'm not saying like go crazy but yeah I definitely need to cook a big meal have a barbecue I've been working on setting up my outdoor space to have people over because I am dying to be around people mm-hmm. you know and my son is too like we really loved we had a Monday night standard you know, it was a standing date with the Chu Miyagawa family, mm. you know, and we had a Wednesday night with my really good friend and her daughter. We took music with Jose and, you know, Tristan and Hazel and Roman and Nat. It was, we called it girls night, which he didn't love, but whatever. So it was having these standing dates that we could look forward to. It was kind of like a Sunday night dinner that we couldn't really have, but we would do it during the week. So I want to go back to that. I think it's good for kids to have that to look forward to. You know, friends and I always think about if our kids are going to stay friends. And I think for sure if we do, you know, there's going to be times where they probably are going to hate each other. But, you know, they'll stay friends over video games and swimming mm. pools and stuff like that. And family vacations. Yeah. You know, I was just trying this morning to plan out the summer with a friend on where we could sneak in a camping trip or, a, you know, a trip to Whistler or whatever, just to have those memories yeah and those moments away in a different environment yeah totally yeah yeah so just a couple more questions yeah, too yeah. my second to last is is about something you you just said um and you said that you've reached a place where you feel confident as a woman and I would love to know what that feels like for you um I think it's I mean being without a partner pushes you to learn how to be confident as a woman without that element you know just embracing your body as much as I'm not saying that I'm like 100% confident I wake up every morning feeling great about myself but and I do complain about stuff just like everybody else but it's just embracing or just accepting yourself for what it is and aging I mean aging is a new thing not new, but it's definitely when you're working alongside people who are still in their 20s, when you're, you know, when you've broke that 40 mark, as much as my clients who are in their 60s tell me 50 is where it's all downhill, (laughs) I'm kind of just, you know, and having such a young child, it's sort of just watching things change, but, and not always being graceful about it. I'm trying to be graceful about it. I'm trying not to focus too much on the wrinkles or the different parts that are changing more so looking at myself and at what I've accomplished what I can still do and what I still have to do and also looking at the relationships I have with men and a lot of platonic really good relationships with men and not needing anything else but that and like spending time with different people I don't know it's just I don't know how it came to be, but it's also having a young boy, you know, wanting to make sure that he feels confident around women, if that's what he chooses, you know. I want him to know about periods and tampons and wrinkles and dimples and cellulite and plucking your eyebrows and, you know, waxing your mustache. He's got an Italian mother. He's got to be used to all of that (laughs) stuff. But, you know, he's not being bashful not you know shaming him just making sure that he understands women and hormones and you know cycles of life and feelings and and why mommy cries sometimes and not knowing why like having to explain to him like sometimes I'm gonna feel like like everything's gonna bug me and it's not you but it might be something that you've done and I want you to understand that you know and helping him get that because 
I think it's important for men as they get older and for women to be able to understand the other person, if that's what the situation, to be able to understand their mothers and to get when to stop poking me and when to be soft or when to just say, are you okay? You know, I'm just trying to teach him about empathy, about patience, about understanding, about, you know, letting people make mistakes because people are going to make mistakes. That's what we do. That's what we're here for is to make mistakes and then sort of learn from them. And some do and some don't. And he needs to be able to make mistakes. And But I also am setting him up for a teenager, which is like, I mean, I'm terrified of having a 16-year-old because, I mean, I'm really just hoping that we have the same relationship that we have now where we can laugh as much as we can and then we fight but the fighting will you know I'm trying to set us up for a good relationship when we're older mm. because lord knows you know he's seven now and he's all sass so I can't even imagine what he's <laughs> going to be like when he's 16 but I'm just hoping that he stays cool and you know we can find a middle ground well, I think if you have a strong foundation which mm-hmm. it sounds like you're building yeah. you can always come back to that yeah trying to mm. trying to yeah my final question that I ask everyone yeah with what you do what is it that you want to leave behind in the world um what do I want to leave behind I just want to make sure that the people who were friends with me knew that they were loved and that they were important to me and that they had a huge stake in my growth as a human. I want to know that I made people feel welcome, that I never, and that they felt, you know, cared for, I think. I mean, obviously, there's all that other stuff, you know, like the stuff that you actually did, like the work that you did and the money that you made and the money you made for someone else. And that stuff is not important to me I mean it's important I guess to you know when I die and I leave money for my kid that will be important to him but I also I just want to be remembered as someone who was emotional and honest and shared my experience and was resilient and was tough but was also soft and vulnerable and sensitive which I am I mean I'm loud and crass and I swear too much but I'm also a very sensitive Pisces so I'm I'm thinking that that will be my legacy Mm. Mm -hmm. that's really beautiful and you know thank you for all the warmth that you know you always gave when I came into the store whenever I run into you in the street and I feel like our last dinner was the first time we had like a super super deep conversation and I'm really appreciative like you said, of this moment. So yeah. thank you so much Same. for sharing Same. sharing totally. your heart and, yeah. and who you are. Well, thanks for inviting me. It was lovely. Of course, yeah, of yeah. course. I'm so glad this finally happened. Me too. Thank you. More chat soon. Yeah, I'd love that. <laughs> if you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes with Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>